Welcome to Tabletop Game Talk, On Topic, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher. I'm Kitty. And I'm Chris. Today we're talking about playing games with non-gaming family and friends. The holidays are here for a lot of us, and that means hanging out with family we don't see that often, or in general spending more time with family than we normally do. And being gamers, we think, hey, I know, let's play this cool new game. Is that a good idea? If it is, what type of games are best suited for non-gaming family? Is it okay to consider Monopoly or Risk? We'll get to all of that. But first, a thank you to our Patreon friends of the show, Adam Harrison and the SGC. And thank you to all of our other patrons as well. Okay, we're getting really good at just recording on Monday night. So this is about as live as you can get. (laughs) I post this about two to three hours after we get done every night. And so, yeah, if you want to stay up late on Mondays... Our Tuesday morning podcast is a late Monday night. If podcast. only we had a live stream, <sighs> people could listen yeah. to us live or even gasp, gasp, <laughs> gaze upon our visage. <laughs> That's the problem. So you can use Discord and you can talk and you can be audio and you can have other people included and you can mute them and unmute them and invite them to the conversation, but you lose the video. And that's frustrating. So I can't not stare at your guys' faces. It would be, you know, just wrong. Well, I clean this room. How would you make fun of me for looking like I'm from the 70s tonight? <laughs> uh, yes. So Fletcher has a nice clean room behind him. Yeah. And Kitty looks like she's from the 70s tonight. Not anymore. You just did for a moment. It was the way that there was. A l- yeah. The halo kind of the light behind you kind of gave you like a halo. So it kind of made you look like you had a headband on. And then plus the big glasses. And then plus, it looks like you're wearing. I'm still like a wearing the big neck. glasses. <laughs> yeah, I. It's like a. It is a little turtleneck. Yeah, it's like a mock turtleneck. It's not bad. No, I mean, it I, looks a lot cuter from the neck down. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> than it does with just the shoulders up view. Yeah. Oh, that's all we see. Um. So, what did you guys do this weekend? I cleaned a lot, a lot of cleaning. And a lot of going back and forth to the container store to buy organizing stuff. (laughs) (laughs) There are people who are jealous of you. I love the container store. I'm one of them. Don't look at the room behind me. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's great. I bought a bunch of those like pop containers to organize like a pantry. Kitty, you've never been to my place, but I have not. But Chris, you have, and uh, you remember. I don't have a pantry. I just have like a big wire rack filled with like pantry items. (laughs) <laughs> so instead of just having like bags of chips that just have like a clothespin on them and things like that, just all kind of like stacked there haphazardly, we bought like a bunch of baskets and pop containers to like store everything. So now everything is nice and organized. Where see, every time I organize food, it goes to a place that it never gets actually taken out of again. <laughs> the trash? So I'm like, oh, that means you're doing a bad job. <laughs> Well, I put it in a cupboard someplace, and then I just forget it's there. And I'm like, oh, it's nice and organized. So if it's not all over the counter, and then I just forget there's food there. You forget there's food but in your kitchen? I do, <laughs> because fast food is so convenient. I'm trying to teach my child good habits, and I'm failing over and over. I'm just hoping that he can't pick it up <laughs> at 10 months. That's that's my hope. So Kitty and I went to a black and white elephant, which yeah. most people just refer just to as a white, white elephant. elephant. Yeah. What is a black and white uh, this, elephant? It's just exactly like a white elephant, except for some reason they call it black and white. So but. I learned on Reddit why it's called a white elephant party or where it comes from. Do you guys know? No. Assuming that this is... I did, but I forgot. Assuming that this is true, if I remember correctly from the Reddit post I saw today, that it's called a white elephant party because I want to say it was like King of Siam would give albino, like an albino rhinoceros mm-hmm. to um, heads of state that he didn't like. Uh, because he would hope that the financial upkeep would like would financially ruin them. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. And now we just give bad presents. Yeah, so that could be a powerful. Uh, I have no idea, but that's what I learned. Yeah. That sounds very familiar. So I'm going to go with it's right. Um, but yeah, the original white elephant party. The like what you're supposed to bring is something that is a nice gift that no one wants. Right. Which I think it's still did a sort good of job how it works. That. Except now, well, I don't now know. You're just bringing I think a gift you that guys wants. failed miserably. You gave Keyforge <laughs> decks. They you were... gave not just Keyforge decks. You gave it a starter set. <laughs> I gave six Keyforge decks, two from each set, all with different colored backs and with all the different houses represented equally. 
But that's way too much thought and effort. <laughs> and it was people Sydney, want them. It was Sydney's idea. I just executed on it. It should be I like gave, a really nice set of I don't know butter knives or something like that. <laughs> I gave a opened but never played uh, game of Godfather because it's supposed to be a good game, but I'll never play it. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is all right. And it was opened. So, but seriously, like the packs of cards in the in the thing hadn't been opened yet. I don't even think I punched the boards. I think I just opened it and looked at the components and said, okay, and then put it back. <laughs> but that was fun. I had all the fun opening it here. Now you take this thing. <laughs> <laughs> I am doing that more and more. We'll do an episode on later, maybe at the start of next year or late this year. Um, we'll do an episode on my game buying habits of 2019 because it's drastically different than 2018. And so far, so far, so good. I, I'm turning down a lot of Kickstarters that I wouldn't know. I bought two in one day once. And I'm like, oh crap, is this the start of? like sliding down and no it just was two kickstarters i wanted so all right speaking dropped the link to the gift i got what did you get it's a neck pillow in the shape of a shrimp it really looked like a shrimp that is terrifying i also brought and hilarious this is what spencer brought and again we'll describe this for you i like how one of the poses of this picture is a woman that's mock eating it <laughs> <laughs> Why wouldn't you want to eat a shrimp the size of a neck pillow? I wouldn't. I don't actually like shrimp. It makes it all the worse a gift. So the gift that you had Spencer bring is mm-hmm. ten finger hands, five for the left hand, five for the right hand. So your fingers turn into hands. You look like fractal hands because all of your fingers are turning into tiny hands. They have actually that should be the they have finger the name hand of this. Hands it should be fractal too. hands. Yeah. Yeah, this should be fractal hands, and I get it. There's a there's a link also bought where five okay hands that you can put on <laughs> each of your fingertips. I originally so I got Spencer a set of tiny hands for Christmas one year, where they're just it's you know you just turn your hands into tiny hands, and he opened them at our house, and then we went over to my parents' house, and I challenged him to open all of his gifts at my parents' house with the tiny hands, and he tried to trick my niece into believing that he really had tiny hands. <laughs> and I think it was one of the most fun Christmases he ever had was playing with those plastic tiny hands. My best Christmases were basically the toys that you only play with on Christmas Day, but they're like the most important thing for that entire day. And afterwards, it matter- doesn't matter that you never touch them again. You have those memories forever. But maybe we should talk about our topic. Yes. Mm. <laughs> where's the fun in that <laughs> so man, our, our our starting banter is getting longer and longer um so we have a number of topics i actually made show notes for like three or four episodes in the future and then i'm like no 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 no. i have to do this one and we have to do it right now because this week is thanksgiving week so if you're in the u.s thanksgiving is i don't know something about killing turkeys um yes yeah, so exactly, and then a couple of them get you got prepped. it right <laughs> It is that. It's not about that. I'm. It is. I'm that. certain there's there's not politically correct things around Thanksgiving too. Um, but it's it is. What is it? A celebration of man. I need to get to third grade again. Um, Wait, you really don't know the cele- what the celebration of Thanksgiving is or about? At least what no, you no, were no. told in grade school. What I was told in grade school um, was the pilgrims and the Indians had at the time. That's what the I was. This is the eighties. <laughs> got together and there was a good harvest and they shared and they thanked for something or other. Am I close? Sort of. So the pilgrims had a very miserable first winter. Yes. And I like, too. I want to say like 75% of them died. Fun fact, I'm a descendant <laughs> of the Mayflower. Wow. But anyway, um, yes. So 75% of the pilgrims like died the first year and it is only because the Native Americans... I went to school in the 90s, um, (laughs) went to help the pilgrims that they then had a good harvest the following year and a bountiful harvest. And they had a dinner together at harvest time in which they thanked the Native Americans for helping them to learn how to farm this new land strange to them where they could practice their religious freedom. And then... Later, terrible things happened. But this Thanksgiving's about the beginning of the happiness. 
not everything that happened afterwards. But really for us, I mean, for a lot of us, it's about getting together with family, having a good meal, and just kind of enjoying the enjoying dinners and turkeys and football. Football. Yep. There's three games of football on Thanksgiving Day now. And Friday and Saturday also have football. So it's an entire weekend thing this year. What about the parade? Um, oh, and there's a parade. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, <Yep>. yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't watch a lot of the parade anymore, but I, when it's on, I'll, I'll pay attention to it. It brings Santa to town and good stuff. Um, but yeah. But I it only also, watch the Rose Bowl parade. I, is it different than the Macy's? Is it still the Macy's? Yeah, so. the Macy's Thanksgiving parade is the big Thanksgiving. The Rose Bowl parade is on New Year's Day, and it's a better parade. Because all of the floats are made out of flowers. No, All right. I should watch that one then. But this got me thinking. I'm going back to Michigan for um, Thanksgiving. And then on Saturday, I'm coming back here to do Thanksgiving with my in-laws. And that's two Thanksgivings. And Sydney and I being as gamery as we are, it oftentimes falls to the idea of, hey, let's play and introduce some games to the family. But with non-gaming family, you have to be really, really careful about this. So I wanted to discuss this. How do you guys do this? What do you do? Do you play games? Do you ignore it? Like, I think everyone has played games at one point. Like, what do you do? Uh, We eat a bunch of turkey and then we just sit around and watch TV. It's typically what we do because everybody is too tired and too mentally exhausted from stuffing their gobs full of, I don't know, gobblers. (laughs) <laughs> so at the end of the night you're not even playing like cards or something no. i figured that was like a pretty standard thing it's probably svu that makes sense are you a drinking family or a non-drinking family drinking all the way <laughs> <laughs> yeah my michigan family is very much non-drinking and sydney's parents if it's just sydney's parents and us there's really I would like to drink a lot, but they're not drinking <laughs> to the same level that I'm drinking, so I really can't do that. Um, so yeah, I usually have dry holidays, which makes me really sad. I'm envious of the people who go through bottles and bottles of wine. <laughs> Speaking of bottles and bottles of wine, Kitty, how are your holidays? <laughs> not that wine-fueled, but a little. Um, so my family, I would say, is actually a gamer family. Um it's not unusual for us to play a game at any given get-together, and especially around the holidays. Last year, I believe we... Oh, I don't know. I don't remember what we played now. Villainous, maybe? Um, That's a good one. That That yeah. is one that I would recommend for a non-gaming family. Because the theme is... Like, it's a pretty gamey game, but the theme is just oozing with Disney. So you can get people to play it and invest in learning it the draws rules. Draws people in. Yeah, we've played many, many games in varying differences of difficulty, weight, length. They're pretty game for anything. um, I would guess if my mom had her way this year, we would be playing Wingspan with the expansion. But this year, we are going to be with Spencer's family. And they are not as big a gamer family as mine is. So with them, there's usually a lot of spades they play with deck of cards that's their family's trick-taking game that's what they do although we have also in the past played pit which is i do not know this game it's like a stock market tradey yes everybody's shouting and doing lots of things at once game okay it was fun i don't remember very much about it except enjoying it this one was a few years ago so so i think a lot of people Cards tend to be that thing when I was growing up that we just kind of defaulted to around the holidays because it was really easy to get a number of people together. You start dealing cards. Most card games are easy to teach the rules to. And even if not, you can participate. Um, and it's it's almost one of those, like, you pass it down from parent to child or oftentimes grandparent to grandchild is where those types of games get passed down. Yeah. And those are cool. You want to play some cribbage? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but you got you were taught cribbage when as a kid, were you not? I was, yes. That's one of my I, dad's favorite games, actually. I wonder if I will ever play it again, although I miss it, because there's like a language to cribbage that... Yeah, and there's a pegboard. <laughs> yeah, 
It's like a fascinating game. It's a race. And you can just play it over and over and over and over. And your non-gaming family, I'm just calling them non, we'll call them say non-hobbyist gaming family. Yeah, you have to remember that like my parents grew up in California and so did Carmen's parents there. They're all from California. So, yes. Um, so my family, I think, is very interesting because I do feel like I'm very much a second generation hobbyist gamer where my mom was one of the first people I knew who bought Settlers of Catan. Um, so it's it's hard for me sometimes to put myself in this position of playing with non-gamer family. Well, I think when you think about Spencer's family, you get pretty close to that, though, right? Yes and no, in some ways, because, you know, as much as when you marry somebody, you marry into their family, become their family, um, it doesn't feel like my family in the same way, you know, like you always have bias towards your side of the family. I'm not saying I don't like them. I don't want to spend time with them. Just, you know, <laughs> they're not as good as your it's family. not. It's not the same as like the Thanksgivings I had growing up. Right. It It's a very different feel. My family doesn't watch football. Spencer's family loves football. Um, My family, like the my cousin and my sister and I would play Risk. This is when I started getting into playing games like Risk is still a game that I have total nostalgia for because I remember playing with my cousin and my sister every Thanksgiving. We would play these epic mega battles that I would always get eliminated first because I'm the youngest. But so um, and then I would be allowed to maybe look at my cousin's magic cards. <laughs> <laughs> and eventually you'd have your own Pokemon cards. Yes. Yeah. Still when have I, the binder somewhere. When I was growing up, I if I was ever playing games, because I really liked games, but I didn't know I liked them as much as I would later. Um, but if I was ever playing games, it was rarely with my parents. It was oftentimes with my parents's parents' eye, parents' friends, kids. Um, and we'd play Monopoly. Um, I don't think I ever played Risk as a kid. My parents did, and I would watch them play Risk, and I'd really, really, really want to play, because, like, all this colorful plastic on this colorful map. There are so many cool-looking pieces to touch. Yeah. I mean, nowadays, there's no cool-looking pieces to touch unless... Actually, no, that's not true. Risk actually looks pretty cool these days, like the modern versions of it. But, so we would go and play Monopoly, and, you know, it'd just be the kids, and I really enjoyed it. But when I go back now, when I go to Michigan... I have I uh, I could probably count. I'm going to there's six kids, seven counting me because it's not actually my biological family, but I've been doing holidays with them for over 20 years, so it's basically I'm one of them. So seven sons, again counting me, seven no six wives, twenty grandkids somewhere in that vicinity um, of varying ages and. So it's really hard to find a game that fits that group, especially since none of the sons really are into gaming that isn't video gaming. So they'll be downstairs and playing on the Switch or whatever the, you know, it was Rock Band and then, um, well, Guitar Hero, then Rock Band, then whatever was next, whatever was next. Last year was the Switch. Um, but with the kids, I could play things like Are You a Werewolf? You know, and I would run a game of Are You a Werewolf with them, um, which they loved and wanted to play over and over and over, which annoyed the teenagers. Uh, with the teenagers, I could play things a little bit more in depth, but again, they're teenagers, so their attention is, you know, it only goes so far before they're like, eh, this game's a little too complicated for me. So a lot of Pyramid Arcade, because those are super simple games to set up and learn, and they're colorful, and you can play them with four-year-olds and 15-year-olds at the same time. So, yeah, I mean, it was, it's hard to, it's hard to have all these gaming game boxes at my fingertips. And when I go back home, I'm like, all right, what should I bring? And I just start ruling things out because I'm like, nope, too much work, too hard to teach, not enough people, not the right group. And yeah, but you guys don't experience this? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> Fletcher, because I he doesn't I play games. Maybe, and- I could probably be making more of an effort to, introduce games to Spencer's family, but honestly, I feel like I don't want to try to impose myself over their traditions. Like, everyone has their thing that they do, you know? So, like, sure, maybe I'll offer, like, oh, I we could play this game that I have, but, like, everyone else is gonna be like, no, we're playing spades. So I just play spades. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. So Fletcher, you don't really have any desire to introduce a game to your families either, right? I it's mean, like you're more than happy just sitting there watching we might, TV. We might, SVU. we might do something along the lines of now because I have it like a sushi go party or something like that. Or if it was because it's tough because usually there's a it's a big group of people, right? So you can't play like Pandemic or The Captain is Dead or something like that. So it has to be a, a game that can accommodate a big group of people. Um, so I may try to introduce something like that, but. It depends on the mood of the group, and usually if, like, the mood isn't people wanting to learn a new game, even though it's pretty simple, it's a pretty simple game, if people just want to, like, sit down and relax and veg out and watch TV after a big meal, like, I can definitely understand that. Yeah, and I think you hit the nail on the head there. It is large group where if you do find four people that want to play even a mildly complex game, you are then the antisocial group. Not it's only like that, board but you gaming have to clear becomes the table antisocial. To make room for other stuff. <laughs> yeah. And there's no respect because when the pies come out for dessert, it doesn't matter where you are in your game. No, we need the table now. Right. Get rid of your stuff. Um, games that I have had success with introducing on holidays. Maybe not Thanksgiving, but holidays. Catchphrase. Good one. Yep. Great, great one. Telestrations. Perfect. And taboo. I don't know if I've ever played... No, Taboo is the one where there's a clue and there's words that you're not allowed to say, right? Yes. Yeah. It's a lot like catchphrase with an extra step. So, bottom line, party games. And with party games, you can do... Like, you can get that whole group involved. But typically... And, and that's really where I'm I'm getting to here is if I'm going back home, which games can I bring to include as many people as possible... And keep it lively and keep everyone engaged. And I think a catchphrase is probably one of my favorites because you can kind of sit around, be lazy, and it's a team thing. Everyone can play. You can kind of walk in and out if you want to, if people are taking care of kids or whatever. Um, so I really like that one. I tried Flick em Up one year. I figured, hey, this has like great table presence. Anyone can walk in and like flick these little pucks across the table. Um, it's still too gamey. It's like there's too much there. <laughs> really? Yeah, trying to describe the rules like, oh, you need to flick and you need to knock over the cowboy and when the hats fall off and then this goes over here and then when you have the five hats off, then you win. And like without even using any of the special rules and it was still too gamey for just passerbys. Plus, if you're not good at flicking things, you know, people felt silly trying to flick something and it it didn't work or whatever. So you can't do anything that embarrasses people either. Short, but I guess all the party games, Taboo kind of embarrasses people at times, but it's in a fun way. Yeah. Taboo, yeah, it's not... The, I think Telestrations and Catchphrase are better because it's less dependent on the individual, and like the bigger a group you have, the less embarrassing it becomes. Um, sure, maybe you're not the best clue giver, but when you've got like 10 people guessing, no one's going to notice, you know? What about code names? You've both played code names, right? Yeah. Yes. Is that something you would introduce to your families? Team game, one person though, the clue giver, lots of pressure on that person, but still like a fun team game. So we tried playing Disney code names as a family. And maybe the version with words versus one of the picture based versions might be better. But, um, me and my younger sister just murdered the rest <laughs> of my family. This game, like, it didn't matter what combination of people we were up against. If me and Eve were in any proximity towards, like, we weren't allowed to be on the same team. And even when we were, it was just me and Eve playing this game against each other. <laughs> um, my older sister hated the experience and will never play this game with us ever again. And my younger brother was like, meh. Yeah, I can't imagine your older sister playing games at all, but I assume that she does. She does. She's much more into um, a lot of the things that I don't like in games. She'll, she's more into kind of take that, press your luck, kind of mess with your neighbor style games that make me crazy. I call those frat house games. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny because my sister does not belong in a frat house at all, but I see why you would call them that. It's like Munchkin. Munchkin is a frat house game. 
I mean, and mm-hmm. it's a fun frat house game, but it only works if you're in that mindset. Otherwise, it is not fun for anyone else who's playing it. It's like, wait a minute, I'm just trying to play and you keep like just knocking me down. This isn't a fun thing. So code names, code names I like in a group. You just have to be really careful because that clue giver, because we never use a timer on code names. I don't know anyone who does, but the clue giver's role just can be so punishing. Yeah. And if they're taking like five or six minutes to, you know, come up with a clue, you can quickly spiral downhill as far as like keeping people's attention spans in the game. Um, there's like a new kind of genre of games. The first one that I ever encountered concept, I think. Yep. Where you're basically playing a guessing game, but instead of giving verbal clues, you're using some sort of pictures or symbols. And I've seen there's another one where there's like these see-through like kind of shape cards that you're trying to make pictures and you can like act things out with them. So it's almost like charades, but with pictures instead. And those those ones seem pretty fun too. This year's hot game is called Just One. And I have not yet played it, but I've watched it played. I've like seen tons and tons of reviews for it. And the concept is incredibly simple. Uh, you have a word. You're tr- and it's a cooperative game. You're trying to get... I think it's a cooperative game. Uh, yes, it definitely has to be. Um, you're trying to get someone to guess a word. And you do this by everyone is going to give a clue as to what that word is. But if anybody gives the same clue then the person guessing the word never sees that clue. So they only get to see the clues that were mentioned just once. And then they have to come up with what it is. So it comes up with this really wacky thing where it's like, well, I want to give you a clue. You know, the car, the it's car, right? Maybe that's the word I'm trying to get you to guess. You know, I might say, okay, vehicle. But if I think you're going to say vehicle too, well, that's bad. So now I have to come up with some weird other kind of clue where it's like uh and then i say kachow and nobody understands none. because i've gone too far the opposite direction of being obscure to the point that only my toddler knows what i'm talking about exactly because i still have no idea what you just said it's cars but, movie rest reference uh, thank you yeah. <laughs> yeah you can ask player three what does lightning mcqueen say and he goes kachow and he always does the arms, too. <laughs> so, like, lightning would be a clue, right? You could put that down there. But then that's so abstract. And then you're putting that together. with So, that kind of game, I may have to pick that up. Because I think I've just talked myself yeah, into the game. fun. That I might have to bring for Thanksgiving. Because everybody can get involved, you know? Um, Insider. Insider is a great one. 20 questions with some mechanics. But there's a trader. Barely mechanics. <laughs> yeah. So Hidden trader, 20 questions. <laughs> yep. Werewolves and Insider are practically the same game. Um, I like Insider better, but it's harder to find. Um, but yeah, it basically, it's there's a word or phrase or whatever. And you're trying to get that person. That person's trying to guess it by asking 20 questions. But one person at the table knows what it is. And they're trying to make sure the table doesn't guess it. So they're trying to ask questions that are kind of off the wall. No, they do want you to guess it. They... No, I thought they didn't want you to they guess it. They want you to guess it, but they don't want you to know that they know. I think they're trying to get you to not guess no. it. But you if they pick the person who In was... where words, there's one of each. I'm in confused. where words, somebody's trying to help and someone's trying to hurt. But in insider, they just they know the word and they want everybody to get it. They want to win, but they don't want to be known. Oh, because they, they want to be give obvious. subtle hints. Yeah. Yeah. Because they only win if the rest of the group doesn't guess who was like had the knowledge had yeah the inside they knowledge. win if you get the word but the you don't know who they okay. are and the interesting thing about that is it's a hidden trader game except you're not a trader you're still on the <laughs> you're good a helper team. Yeah. yeah you're a helper <laughs> but you're a hidden helper and it just it kind of reverses that idea that i'm trying to screw everyone over it's like no, no i'm trying to help you but you don't know i'm trying to help you yeah that's a good one too yeah i really like that one i had so much fun playing that with jen and sarah um one time we were at your house and I just remember, I think Sarah was trying to get us to guess basket and it was so miserable watching her just like everyone knew she was the insider and she just <laughs> wouldn't like, just like Easter just throwing out like, is it something like, you'd weave? and we still couldn't get it. <laughs> it was a fun game. Yeah. So that's another good one. Um, 
something that's simple is so back to the original question in the opening monopoly or risk are these games that are like okay to do like i mean i haven't played monopoly in literal years or risk for that matter but i think you brought up monopoly or risk after thanksgiving everybody would just groan do you really yeah i think it depends on the family so like if it's very nostalgic you guys used to play it a lot you could you know probably play one for old time's sake like if i pulled out risk with my cousin josh and my sister like there would be like a oh kind of a thing but if i pulled out risk at spencer's family (laughs) (laughs) everyone would just leave i would be sitting alone in a room with hundreds of plastic armies by myself pushing them around the board pretending you're multiple players yeah getting mad at dice rolls against myself yeah (laughs) I think Monopoly you can pull off if you bring a themed version of Monopoly. So no, like, they're all bad. No, no, no. That's not actually true. So most of the straight re-themes are still pretty bad. Like Chicago Monopoly is just Monopoly, but slightly changed. But there are some versions of Monopoly that are so different that they're not Monopoly anymore. They're kind of like inspired by. But even so, even if you're playing like Star Wars Monopoly, you can get people to play that. And it'd be interesting to play once just to see what it's different about it. I need a coffee mug and a card table that says all Monopoly is bad. Change my mind. Because <laughs> you're not gonna. <laughs> like, there is I a- don't like it. I don't like Star Wars Monopoly. I love Star Wars. Um, just cut up on the Mandalorian. We're very excited about it. Um, it's very good. It won't play Star Wars Monopoly. Star Wars Risk. Won't play Harry Potter. Won't play none of those. Yeah, Risk is a better game than Monopoly. Well, see, Star Wars Risk isn't Risk at all. It's Yeah, it's fun, though. It's a completely different... It's almost like a head-to-head game, I think. Um, No, it's still a multiplayer area control. It's just slightly different. it, It looks very different. And I have it because I heard that it was like very, very different from Risk. And I've never got a chance to play it. So maybe that's a game that I can bring and be like, hey, anyone want to play Star Wars Risk? Because Risk is non-threatening to most like casual gamers. And I mean, there was a Seinfeld episode about it. It can't be that out of the mainstream. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, wait, we're playing Risk? Yeah, I haven't done that for years. I'll play, I'll play a game of Risk. Why not? It's like, no, this is Star Wars Risk. And I'm going to teach you a completely different rule set because it doesn't play anything like the original Risk. But maybe I can trick them into having fun. I still think it plays... I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking of a different game. But it was still pretty similar to Risk. It just had like a really different map feel. Maybe. Because I'm just looking at the um, at the back of the box. And the back of the box is... Like, it's this weird circle map. And you have... It looks... Actually, it looks like a TIE fighter. So you have all these pieces that are kind of... You have the light side and the dark side. And... Yeah, the board looks like a TIE fighter. It's pretty interesting. And you have ships, and the ships are really cool looking. I want to play Star Wars Risk now. I'm definitely... I had Star Wars Battleship, and all I remember is that it it talked. And it would say, like, stay on target, stay on target. Well, anything Star Wars is, I think right now, is totally acceptable. Except Monopoly. Except for Monopoly. Except for Monopoly. Monopoly. (laughs) You can collect it for... Oh, wait a minute. What about Star Wars Clue? I mean, I like regular Clue. So there's a new version of Clue out. And it's not really a new version. It's just the same version of Clue, but they replaced the hall with a bathroom. Um, So now you can go to the bathroom in the Clue mansion. Um, And it's super cheap. I saw it in Target the other day, and I think it was like $12. I'm like, "Ah, I should really get this game. Clue has never been a very expensive game. No, most of the mass market games haven't been. Uh, But Star Wars Clue, I'm looking at this now... I may have to pick this up. It is a Death Star. It's three-dimensional. So you're moving up and down and around in this three-dimensional Death Star trying to figure out, I don't know, whatever you figure out with the clue stuff. Um, isn't it just like the location, the weapon, and the murderer? Well, probably, but I mean, it's it's Star Wars. <laughs> That's what you use in real Clue. I don't know why Star Wars would be any different, except, you know, instead of a candlestick, you use a lightsaber. So a lot of these themed clues have a second deck so you have your clue deck and then you have some kind of second deck which is like powers or something i hate it (laughs) (laughs) i believe there are often optional rules that you may add in that i've never ever used (laughs) 
Well, I may have to look Actually, into Star Actually, we did Wars use Clue. the, we played Harry, it wasn't Harry Potter Clue, though. I think it was like Mystery at Hogwarts. And now there is an actual Harry Potter Clue. Yeah. Yeah, Harry Potter. But I prefer the Mystery at Hogwarts. Yeah. Well, so there's, um, what was I looking at? There's a new clue that just came out. And I think we talked about it. Yeah, D&D Clue. That's the one. Um, yeah, that's the game you cannot play. You cannot play. Listen to the after credits of our news episode. <laughs> um, but it is, you're basically going around like the Forgotten Realms and each of the characters are like a different class race combination. There's no real, well, there might be special abilities. I don't know because I haven't looked at it, but it's that second deck that gives you those special abilities. Um, but also in that one, they kind of, they don't solve the roll and move problem, but they make it a little bit easier. There's like these little portals you can land on, and then you can exit out of portals anyplace else. Oh, like like a secret passage, except from it's one in the corner ha- to the other. Except it's in the <laughs> hall. So when you go out of the hall, if you land on one of these squares, you can teleport to another one of these squares. It's all in that big hall outside, with the, like the gridded hall. Anyway, those types of games I think would be easy to get a family to try out because they already know the basis. And if it's an IP that is interesting to them, you can say, okay, this is Star Wars Risk. It's different than Risk, but the concept's relatively similar. But it's also Star Wars, so let's play it. And, you know, it's it looks cool on the table, so I could see people playing that. I mean, I think there are better kind of entry-level IP games than mass market games in a lot of cases. Example? Like... The Star Trek deck building game. Uh, we got Gloria to play that. <laughs> we did, but it's still relatively complicated, and it's out of print. So, again. Sure. Um, <laughs> I mean, I would have to do some looking. I can't think of them all off the top of my head, but I mean. Funcoverse has come out with a strategy board game, which I think might be interesting but again, that's sort of a one-on-one. But the, like, there's so many different IPs. Like, you can play Golden Girls against um, uh, what's the cartoon that everybody likes with the with the grandfather and the kid, Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty. Yeah, so you could do Golden Girls versus Rick and Morty, and that can be fun. But it's also a tactical board game, so that sort of limits it. I don't know. IPs are tricky because. Even if someone like really loves Game of Thrones, you do not want to lay down the Game of Thrones board game. It's worse than risk. And eventually at the end, you'll have people killing each other for real because that's just how that game works. I've literally lost friends because of that game. They weren't good friends. It's not a good game. <laughs> it's not a good game. Yeah. It's it's one of those elimination games. Star Wars Empire versus Rebellion. A simplistic yet engaging two-player Star Wars card game. But that's a two-player game. $12 on Amazon. The Star Trek game I... that you were talking about, I think I played that back in the day. It's the one that's out of print. It's fun. Yeah. I like we need the... to play the... We need an IP game that plays at the party game level. Like Star Wars Telestrations. I mean... Why does it have to be an IP you game? You can make... Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I guess it doesn't. I'm just trying to find that middle ground where it's something that... I can be interested in and a party game that other people would be interested in. I think you're just going to lose interest because it's a party game. I think the, what you're looking for is more like, because like party games to me can play like 10 or more people. Yes. Whereas some of these games you're talking about, like even Monopoly, how many people can Monopoly play at most? Eight. Like five, six. I, think, I thought it was four. But I thought it was eight. Sure. Maybe it's eight. Let's call it six. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So if you're looking at something like that, something for like Battle for Hogwarts, that's a fun IP game that's better than Monopoly. Yeah. And then you just pick three of your family members and you all sit in the corner of the kitchen and become antisocial for the rest of the night. I mean, that's really the... Just like you're playing Monopoly. I know. I'm agreeing with you. Okay. <laughs> it didn't sound like it with your tone of voice. No, that's the problem with playing board games at big family events, though, is it really does kind of break down pretty fast. 
or at least if you do it too early, it's like, it's all about the timing, right? You can't do it right after dinner when people are kind of like talking and hanging out and stuff. You might be able to do it later on when everyone's gone to sleep and you have a few cousins that are awake and like, oh yeah, let's play this game. But you really have to let it dwindle down to where there's only like a few of you left and then everyone left can start up and play this game. See, we always started early in the day because my cousin would come in from out of town. So they'd get in like Wednesday night and we'd wake up Thursday morning and we would each have like a job to do and we'd rush to do our job as quickly as we could to start playing Risk so that we could just take a break for dinner (laughs) and then come back to it after dinner. And it basically was like, this is what we do. This is all of our weekend is we're just going to spend time playing Risk and see you guys next year. Like, (laughs) this is what we do. So, you know, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I just need to start a new tradition, apparently. However, the new vampire mega board game that plays up to 32 people. (laughs) Hey, Roland Rights. How have we not talked Roland Rights? That is a great idea. Great idea. Good job, me. I'm going to bring Railroad Inc., because that's one of my favorite Roland Rights. I'm going to bring... Second chance. Actually, I was just going to say that one. Yep. It doesn't play to as many players because of the way it works, but it'll play like eight people. And I think that's the best I can assume that I can possibly get. And super easy, super casual. And at the end, you like walk away with something that's like original and yours. And like, oh man. Also, you kids can play from any age because they're not going to mess anything up, right? It's all their own little personal space. Right. And even if they, like, aren't following the rules, well, who cares? <laughs> they probably weren't going to win anyway. Right. <laughs> so, yes. It's also a fun one. You could play as a team. Like, um, we used to do that a lot as kids. One of us would be on my mom's team. I'd be like, put it over there. And she'd be like, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> she's a heck of a teammate. She really, she's something. <laughs> I love her very much. She taught me a lot about winning. <laughs> and how if you want to do it you shouldn't listen to your children <laughs> yep. and if you want to be respected and liked you better win um and also that if you want to play solitaire you shouldn't let her stand over your shoulder because she's just the worst because then you're not playing anymore you're just her hands <laughs> yes <laughs> also like just turn around it's called solitaire <laughs> can't tell her that <laughs> I'm playing this game because i want to be alone mother yeah. Yahtzee? You can play Yahtzee. I have never played the Ganshan Clever. Ganshan Clever. You know, I've never actually played that in person. <laughs> you only play the app. I've only ever played the app. But I think it would actually be a pretty fun game as well. That's another one that's kind of limited in actual player size because of the player interactions. But um, I think it is. I, th- I honestly don't know. Because when you play it on the app, it's always the solo version of the game. So I actually don't know how the multiplayer version works. <laughs> but it's a really good game. Um, welcome to is that a roll and write? Yeah, well, it's a flip and write, but yes, that's another yeah. good one. Um, where you're trying to optimize your neighborhood. I've heard a lot about it, but I've never actually played. Really? Yeah. I thought you were with us at Gen Con that we tried it out. I was probably with you at Gen Con, but not with you when you played it. It's a good one. It's not one of my, oh my God, I want to go back and play this. And now there's like tons and tons of maps for it. Um, there's other ones that I like better, but it's a really, it's a clever one. I definitely like that one. But yeah, I might have to bring a couple rolling rights because those are nice and simple. The other one you could it do... It only took us 45 minutes to get here. You're welcome. <laughs> well, that's what we do in the show. Uh, the other ones, though, are escape room games. I think escape room games can be kind of fun to watch and participate in. So if you have a group of people that are playing and you know they're talking the puzzles through, but you have people that are like, eh, I don't want to play, but I'll watch, they can be entertaining to watch as well. The only time I tried to play an escape room game, I basically ended up soloing the escape room game while everybody else made fun of me. (laughs) And it was just the worst. That's so wait a minute. You got to elaborate more on that. So did you just kind of take over and they decided to sit back and watch? No, they wouldn't participate to me. So, okay. This was um, my sister Eve and her husband, Jesse and Spencer and Jesse and Spencer basically decided they were not participating from the beginning. And I tried to get Eve into it, and Eve helped for, like, 
a few minutes and it was just like we couldn't get started. We had never done one before. And there is kind of like a, the a first time curve. you do this, you have no idea what you're doing, like learning curve. And so we just sat like it was just awful. And Eve gave up and I was just like, I'm going to figure this out. <laughs> I didn't escape. You're like, guys, I, I did I just it. threw away the game like, at some point because I was great. like, mm. Yeah. So, but you, what basically happened is four people were in a room that you must escape before the room floods. And two people said, eh, we'll drown. And the third person <laughs> yeah, said, well, this is too hard. I'll just drown. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. I mean, what really happened was I said, okay, we're all in a room and we're all going to drown if we don't solve the puzzle. And they were like, no, we're not. <laughs> I mean, I can just <laughs> There's just like no initial buy-in <laughs> to the concept of the game. And I was like... You broke it. Um, I love my husband. <laughs> Most. All right. So, yeah. So, fair enough. If you're going to play that kind of game, you should probably get people that are You need to get the buy-in. You need to get yeah, the buy-in. Yeah, you have to have the initial interest. Yep. And there are some that are better than others as well. There's a lot of escape room games that are better as a solo or duo experience. You don't really want to have multiple people. Too many people, it spreads out the puzzles or just... It, it muddles it, but all right. Any other games that we think work well with non-gamer family besides football? Because that's probably where I'm going to end up football. being. Is I'm just going to be watching football or playing Switch. I'm pretty sure Player Three will be watching football. His new favorite phrase is "catch a football." Catch a football. <laughs> Mama, catch a football. Um, it's very cute. Aww. I'm really sick of throwing footballs. I, I don't know if if Zach's behind or not because he doesn't know any words. And <laughs> I had to take a test at the pediatrician last month and asking if he knew any words. And I'm like, no, is he supposed to? And it's like, it's just a question. I'm like, you didn't answer my question. Is he supposed to? <laughs> and then she no, took the I quiz think... from me and didn't answer my question. Let's see. I can't remember. I thought they were supposed to have like, it's like 20 words by 18 months. Something like that. All right. So he has some time. So, <laughs> this question was actually specifically, does he know words that... Well, will... know words and say words is different. Right. Does he know words that he'll respond to without gestures? So we'll like do up and things like that, but I'll reach out and then he reaches up. It's not like I can say up and then he'll reach up. So I'm like, maybe he's doesn't know what's going on. Maybe he's behind the You're curve like, on this. Maybe he's... I'm sorry. I didn't do a blinded study before I came here. So, I don't know. <laughs> this is yeah. more like, if you say, are you hungry? And he is, he goes, <laughs> this has been parenting with Kitty. Yeah. <laughs> so, I guess daycare does sign language with them, though. So, they let me know they do, like, the simple more done um, bottle. Um. Yeah, my sister taught player three how to sign more. And he never uses it in the way in which, like, I think they intend for them to use it. Like... Like, more cheese, mama, please. Like, no, it's more like, more trolls, more trolls. Like, no, the TV is off. I want more TV. Yeah. And he just lies on the floor signing more. (laughs) (laughs) So for those who don't know what baby signs are, more is when they basically make two, like, pointy fists and tap them together. And... Done is when they kind of like shake their hands back and forth, and bottle is a like kind of an open and close of their hands. So this is the like, the signs that they're supposed to be able to learn early on. I'm really helpfully doing all the signs when Chris describes <laughs> yeah. them for Fletcher well, only. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were doing them before, so I just wanted to like put that in the imagination. Do you know this one? Um, which is Kitty is tapping her palm with her other, with a circle of her other hand, or like a. Like a spider, like a spider hand on her palm. Is that, do you want a spider? It's a cookie. Oh, that's a bad sign to learn. Don't teach that one. (laughs) (laughs) All right, before we go, I have a, we had a question from last week that we didn't get to because our show went really, really long. Um, And it's about Keyforge and Kitty's still doing sign language, but I don't know what it is. (laughs) (laughs) This is a turkey. And because Kitty's doing sign language, I'm going to make her read this question from Grant. Grant has a question about Keyforge and gaming communities. I really like Keyforge. I blame you guys. And I mean that in the best possible way. 
but I have a problem. I play mostly online with friends, not as often as I would like. I don't like playing with strangers on the Crucible because I haven't had many good experiences with other users, but I want to get better, particularly playing in person. Uh, pos- My local- so Crucible is an uh, is a fan-made online site where you can play a Keyforge, just to put that in context. It's not an official site, but it's actually really, really, really good. Okay. My local game store has a weekly gaming schedule with Keyforge on Sundays at 2.30. My New Year's resolution, thanks to your resolution episode, was to make it at least one Sunday session. With two small kids at home, it has been very difficult to meet that goal. I bought a mat and sleeves with the intention of going. Finally, this past Sunday, I arranged time to go play. I got there and no one was there for Keyforge. I asked the employee what was up with Keyforge and they said, oh, no one has showed up for weeks. I find this very disheartening. I buy 75% of my Keyforge stuff from them. They sell it, but they don't have a group or community. Organizing a day slash time at the store myself would be challenging as well. I signed up for the Prime Championship about an hour away, but I find that to be too far to go play on a regular basis. Any thoughts and comments would be appreciated. So we'll elevate this out of the Keyforge discussion. So this is specifically, if you have a game, whatever that game might be, is there... And you're having a problem like creating a community for that game or finding a community for that game. What can you do, right? Um, now you guys don't actually go to game stores. Like you're not don't participate in the gaming communities at all, right? Not very often. I'll go play Keyforge at your game store. And why do you go play Keyforge at my game store? Because I know you'll be there. Perfect. And Fletcher's played Keyforge at my game store too. Also, because I said, "Hey, come up here." Um, in that case, that I, was like more like two and a half hours away. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but this is a problem. I've heard this um, from a number of different people about a number of different games. Is when a new game comes out, you want to find people to play this game with. But when you show up someplace and there's supposed to be people playing this game and there's nobody there, that has two effects. One. It doesn't show a lot of health for the game. And two, it basically kills your interest in the game. Because you're like, wait a minute, I really like this game, but apparently no one else does. So what's the point, right? So it's, I will say Keyforge specifically, um, the second set created sort of a drought of player interest. And since the third set's come out, like a lot of people have been coming back into the game. Um, But in general, as a more specific thing, I've seen this with all kinds of different community-based games. And the solution to this, and Grant actually mentions that he's not able to do this, the solution to this is to find a core of two or three people. Two or three people that are willing to show up and play this game, whether or not anyone else is there. And as long as you have that kind of seed when someone else shows up, it's like, oh, you guys are playing Keyforge. Um, can I play? Yeah, sure. Come on over. Um, you know, And if you're playing, you have four people and a fifth person shows up, one of those four people should step out and let that fifth person become part of the group. And what will end up happening is over time, that community will grow. This also sounds like, and, and I don't want to say too many bad things about game stores I don't know anything about, but this sounds like a bad game store as well. If you're not getting participation for weeks take it off your calendar or do something to get participation. It's hard though. Cause I do think sometimes um, I don't want to blame grant here. Cause I know I have looked at my local source Keyforge calendar and then three months later been like, Oh yeah, they were doing this every Monday. And then I show up and they're like, actually we moved it to Tuesdays. I'm like, Oh, I guess I should have checked the calendar before I showed up. So. There's Some, that. Sometimes that does yeah. happen. Yeah. Well, we know, it might not be on the calendar anymore. Who knows? Yeah. Well, we know Grant showed up, and like they, this particular game store is like, oh yeah, no one's shown up for this for weeks. Which yeah. is, it's just then move it around. Like if you're a game store and you want a particular game to be popular or at least played in your store, you need to find a time that works for your players. And I'm lucky. My local game store is very, very accommodating to like anytime he makes any kind of change at all, he asks the group that's there, which usually is the core group plus a few other people, hey, I'm thinking of doing this or this format or whatever. What do you guys think? Um, So we all have buy-in. And this group has grown over the last year because we have a group of people that just keep showing up every week and we'll play regardless of whether or not we have two people or 16 people. And we've had both, you know, all ranges. So my advice is if you are going to the Prime Championship an hour away, 
I bet there are a lot of people coming from an hour away as well. Talk to people there. Where are they playing? Where are they meeting up? There might be a different game store closer to you than the Prime, but further than your local game store, that is where all the Keyforge people in your area are actually meeting up. Or and or just people from your area that like did the same thing as you. They they went to that same game store and there's nobody else there and they stopped one going time and, like, and it happened to be yeah the wrong month or whatever right. yeah yep um or go to the or go to that game store once a month if it's an hour drive it's like it is a long drive but if it's once a month and you know there's a strong community there it can be worth it. Did did you read the part where he said he has two small kids? <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, if you can get away. Go as far as way as you can. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to get away sometimes. I don't know. I know. Well, so I live 15 minutes away from my local game store and I make it. So, well, and it's tricky because you have to sort of balance it. So obviously we have a 10 month old and this weekend we had a prime up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which is about an hour away from us. And it was a question as to whether or not which one of us were going to go. Was it going to be me or Sydney? And I'm like, go, I'll stay with Zachary and you can go play Keyforge. You know, it's like sometimes you kind of make those agreements and she was gone all day long and that's fine. Um, Sure, get permission, like quote unquote permission, but and be prepared to take the other direction. And also like offer your time, you know, because I think this is what me and Spencer do pretty successfully is, you know, I want to go see this live podcast and he wants to go watch a sports game. We each get to do that and we take our turns kind of doing our fun thing. And then we also make sure that when we want to do something together, actually I'm dragging him to the live podcast recording with me. I'm very (laughs) excited about it. We get a babysitter, but you know, that gets to be expensive and it's hard. And if you don't have a reliable babysitter in your area, it gets to be stressful. Yeah. So yeah, like I said, small children are definitely tricky, and we're noticing it more and more. Like, I, I yeah, have, you still have like a stroller kid. Yeah, <laughs> he's not. Well, we also have not a runner quite yet. Sydney's parents can't like volunteer enough to come over and watch him, but you know, when there's two of them, is that still going to be an option? And it's not going to be as much. So, mm-hmm. so we kind of take advantage of the time we have when we have it, but. Yeah, it's there's there's definitely choices and trade-offs. Just it's a short-term pro- short-term problem because eventually your kids will be old enough to actually play Keyforge with you and that investment will pay off. So, yeah, just, you know, keep raising gamer kids and then you won't have the problem anymore. I do think talking to people at the prime though will Yeah, I like that. Lead to something. Yep. Even if it's just a hey, meet at Starbucks at on a lunch hour or something cuz you live down the street from them or something like that. Yep. Yep. All right. Anything else that we should wrap up before we wrap up this Thanksgiving week episode? Nope. All right. Fine. Um, let's see. The I should know this stuff by heart. I don't need to actually. I I don't read the paragraph. I just have to have <laughs> it on the screen. Otherwise, I don't know what to say. Um, but you can follow us on Facebook at Tabletop Game Talk Podcast. Twitter is Tabletop Game T L K. Kitty is awful good mom. Fletcher is Net Fletch. I am Game Master Chris. All of those things are in our show notes. If I say them too fast, and you're like, I really want to follow Kitty, but I don't know what her Twitter handle is. Just look at the show notes, and you'll see it. Uh, you can also help us out by leaving us a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, however you want to say it, or any other podcast review site and you can help us on patreon going to tabletopgametalk.com slash patreon tabletop game talk is a proud member of the dice tower network thanks for listening and remember we love your feedback so email us with comments or questions about today's topic at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com and this week our credits are being read by chris so let's and again i have not heard this i saw was a note from him saying wow this was harder than i thought so here we go Adam Harrison, SGC, Jason Strong, Terrence Miltner, Stephen Seitz, Brian Arnold, Sean P. Kelly, C. Marie, Rudy Liu, Benjamin Heimowitz, Jerry Huang, Stephen Phillips, Caleb O'Brien, Jennifer Engelbrecht, Justin Willard, Christopher Dawn, Jason Marks, Jeremy Fisher, David Ratke, Nick Quickstra, David Sellers, Jason Rodney, Michael Yanikowski, Miles Clark, Cindy Lum, Phil Schwartz, Lan Reynolds, Eric Huffman, Adrian Dong, Nate Vaz Flintham, Sean Peck, Eric C. Lander, Mike Smith, Trevor Davis, Tim Vernig. Chris Lowe, Joe Hoover, Timothy Gross, Glenn Cotter, Jesse Volkoviak, Emil Jewell Jacobson, Marina Stevens, Braddy Meltzer, Gregory Hoover, Don Gilstrap, Stephen Judd, Leanne Verhulst, Christopher Letko, John Lewis, Joe Rackstad, 
Ron Nelson, Neil McLaughlin, Sarah Wentworth, Weatherman Keefe, Nicholas Slots, Agnes Toth, Paul Raymer, and Jimothy. And Matthew Droke. And wow, that was really, really good. That was pretty good. I was going to say, he did better than we did. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Until next week, keep playing games and having fun. So Sydney ended up getting top four at the Prime Championship. Brought me home a gaming player mat because I need another play mat. Notice how I sent her out and I watched the kids, so the mat is mine. <laughs> <laughs> Give me your winnings. It makes perfect sense to me. It's my winnings. <laughs>